0: You are listening to The 2474 Show, presented by Quake's Epicenter and hosted by Joel Soria and Daniel Sperry. Right, welcome back, folks, to The 2474 Show. It's been a while since we've talked. Of course, we've got big news, emergency podcasts. Um, recording just ahead of uh, the San Jose Earthquakes game here on Wednesday night, September 19th. Um, Earthquakes take on Atlanta United FC. Uh, and my very good friend and, uh, you know, starman in charge of Quakes Epicenter, Joel Soria, um, is joining me as always. Joel, uh, I, I wish it were greater events um, or more positive events that bring us. Uh, together to record tonight, but um, I, how how are you doing? Uh, in first off, how are you doing? Of course, always a, a awesome thing, but um, give us a lowdown on what what what's been going on here. Um, what maybe some some not so obvious things um, that kind of led to Starry's, uh dismissal earlier this week?
1: I'm doing well, Daniel. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, I I wish it could have been uh, like you said positive things bringing us to this emergency podcast, but unfortunately, uh, we need to speak about the reality. And the reality is that, uh, as we all know, the San Jose earthquakes have fired Miguel Stari um, surprised as many people, um, you know, being around the club on a weekly basis and, 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 and knowing Stari personally and knowing how Jesse and co function, I, I really thought that they were gonna let Mikel, uh remain at the helm for the remainder of the year. Uh, but it was, I, I guess it was too much. A 5-1 drilling was too much. Um, too much to bear for Jesse. Uh, obviously spoke to, to Tom Fox about it, and they came up with a conclusion that it was best to part ways with Mikel I'm sure Mikel was stunned as well, because as I've reported, it, and I've said it uh, plenty of times before, uh, in no way, shape, or form uh, did he seem, uh, you know, pressured to overturn the results. Uh, Colin and just tweeted it out earlier today that he still had a remaining uh, remaining million dollars on his contract. I, I assume it was a three-year contract. Roughly around half a million dollars per year. I got told earlier this season that uh, he was getting paid around $400,000 for this season. So it seems about right Um, but yeah uh, a big shock Uh, Yuri the the goalkeeping coach stays but Alex de Kruk and and Mikael Stare are now uh, Free agents. They are jobless for the time being. I'm sure Mikael will probably go back to his native Sweden and uh probably continue his uh, managerial uh career out there um trying to get an interview with him here shortly so hopefully i'll be able to expand on exactly what what it was uh how it all went down um but yeah big big news here coming out of san jose
0: i mean i i, I will say i'm not i'm not shocked that they lost the way they did to Sporting Kansas City. Because let's be honest, I mean, Sporting Kansas City, in terms of how they do build their club, um, being around them uh, on a weekly basis, and, you know, the, recently having some pretty deep discussions on club development um, with with Peter Vermees. I mean, the, just the, the, the way that they carry things out um, and the current and that state going into that game of the earthquakes, um, it was just not a good match. Um, Sporting Kansas City do a lot of things exceptionally well, and they have this season. They've got a whole lot of talent, um, and they they recently um, their wing play has been exceptional. Um, and in terms of uh, it- Mind my, my mini match breakdown. Their wing play has been exceptional at finding the space behind the the fullbacks and exploiting that, and cutting in and creating chances and stuff like that. And that's what happened all night long. Why Gerso scored two goals, two assists. Um, uh, the, you know the assist to Gerso on his final goal, the fifth goal, which came from the wing. So this, I I'm not shocked that Sporting Kansas City came in. And honestly, I guarantee I know those team those players. A lot of those players were there. Uh, if you recall, 2015, when the San Jose Earthquakes came in to, uh, sporting, uh, to Children's Mercy Park uh, out here and shellacked them, 5 nothing. Benny Failhaber got sent off. Wando scored two goals. Godoy scored a goal. Quincy I remember scored a couple that. Of goals. Yeah. I mean, it was a shock result, too, that everyone set, stepped up and was like, oh, okay, maybe this Earthquakes team can make the playoffs. They fell just short, thanks to Matias Perez-Garcia's red card um, for stupidity in the in the kind of run into the season that kind of knocked him out and then a red card in the final match of the year. Um, but uh, they, they, that team remembers that slacking, So there was no way that up three, nothing at half, they were just going to take their foot off the gas pedal. Uh, they were going to go for the jugular. Um, that is what they were going to do. Uh, so I'm not surprised it ended up the way it did. I'm not shocked that Stare got fired just because they, there's a few things, I think, from the outside – that I've seen from from Stare and not from Stare, but from this whole situation with Stare um, that, that kind of makes sense to me, at least for it, is that Stare never got everybody on the same page. Um, no player seemed fully bought into um, what he had to sell in terms of tactics um, and mindset on the field. I and there's it's a two way street, right? Because you know a lot of the players every single time a manager's fired players say, oh, you know, we we kind of take that as part of our thing too, that maybe that we didn't do our jobs, we weren't able to go get the results. Um, So it's a two way street there, but the manager's got to get the players on board, Um, and I don't think he ever had them uh, had them on board. Uh, And so I, so to me, it's not surprising. Um, I I I I understand. Sticking with him longer, but there's a difference between having players who have bought into the philosophy of the manager um, and just they, they're they just not good enough to get the job done or they're growing uh, and there's a lot of room for growth. But this is a roster of players in their prime. Um, that's pretty much as good as they're going to get for the most part. Um, and there, there was no ability to get them all onto the same page in bot. and bot, yep. some, yep. some, some were, some, and a lot weren't. And I think that that that's on the manager to, to do that, and that's the that, huge part. That,
1: exactly, exactly. Uh, we spoke with Shea Salinas yesterday at practice, and and he uh, and, and Wanda as well have come forward and you know throughout the season and said, you know, well, it's it's not all about Mikael Star. It's not all about the coaching staff it's also on the players taking you know self accountability but here's the thing like you said you know you one of one of the major critical uh, parts of being a manager is is making sure you know you you uh, you collectively have you know backing from from the top to the bottom and yes he he did have some of the players um, you know rooting for him i guess you can put it that way but usually in every locker room there's a couple of anomalies right that just that are just not going to click regardless of how the season goes you know they have personal issues going on um you know they can't accept the fact that they are capable of being starting players in within that roster but the thing is here is that there was too many of them there was too many of them you had uh you had Factions between the locker room, and I know it doesn't get talked about, and it doesn't get mentioned. And yesterday, Jesse uh, went on to deny it, but 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 the the fact is is that Mikel failed in in bringing these players together. He failed in breaking the egos. There's too many egos within that uh, Quakes locker room, and a lot of them are players that will remain for years to come. Players who have already signed uh, you know, multi-year deals about a season ago. And, and and that's, that's, I think that's one of the biggest tasks that whoever the new manager is next season is going to have to do is how do you separate the egos? How do you make this group of players work collectively? Because it's, it's been, it's been an ongoing problem in San Jose for a couple of seasons now. Uh, it, it was it was also somewhat of a problem in 2017 and this season uh, it just got exponentially worse to where the results obviously showed on the field. Um, but I guess to go back on on uh, you know me being surprised about sorry getting fired, I guess I want to rephrase myself. It wasn't so much that I was surprised I was surprised with the timing because I was already hearing rumblings that they were gonna move on from Star A when the season culminated, but not after, you know, the, the Sporting Kansas City match. I, I think Jesse Firinelli and Tom Fox took into consideration that their next six games after Sporting Kansas City were going to be up against uh, four of those were going to be up against perennial threats in the league. You had LAFC, New York Red Bulls, uh, Seattle Sounders, and I forgot the fourth. Uh, realistically, the only match the Quakes could win from here on out is against the Colorado Rapids. Aside from that, uh, you know, odds are really, really against them.
0: I'm with you on that. I know we'll talk a little bit about what's more to come. Um, I, I This is kind of from a little discussion you and I had earlier, but I, I just want to kind of gauge your thoughts maybe because – uh there's a lot of the national voices right now that are kind of that really want to place a whole lot of blame um on jesse furinelli um uh there's some quote-unquote shots across the bow i think even maybe uh tom fox's comments um about let's see if i can find the right if i can i, I don't want to misquote um but i thought there was a there's a tom fox quote there um, you can paraphrase it's fine <laughs> um Ah, uh, there we go. So it was it was uh, in Robert Jonas's article for The Athletic. Um, and it said, this is the quote, Since Jesse has come in, we've tried to change the trajectory. It doesn't mean there will be a straight line to success, but it does mean we need to see progress. And this isn't progress. I think you and I both can agree that this isn't progress. So, I mean, I I, I, I don't think he would disagree with me necessarily that Jesse Firinelli is on the hot seat. But I think the... The question, or and if you do, that's fine. I'd like to hear why you don't think he is. But if he if he is, I mean, where where does his fault lie in in any of this? Because I tend to think he he plays a greater fault, but I think you tend you tend to believe he has a little of a lesser fault in there. So give me your thoughts on just where where he plays into the blame for this whole situation.
1: Well, I I, I don't necessarily think he's on the hot seat. I think the pressure has grown uh, to a level never seen before now. Uh, you know, Jesse is to blame for some of the failures that have, uh, come about from, from this season. Uh, but not all of it is, should be directed on him. Um, let's, if we look at it. Um, uh, Jesse inherited, uh, I remember speaking with him, um, a couple months ago and he told me that he, he virtually picked up a club with with no legs and uh, that that was exactly what he inherited he picked up uh, a, a team with no scouting with no um, tangible you know academy with no with relatively zero infrastructure and here you have Jesse coming in with this with this brilliant mind, with you know with uh, this vast network empire, and he starts to invest in different sectors of the game, and he did it um, proficiently, uh, I think. But I think where the pro I think where the problem started was that he was trying to grow at too fast of a pace. Um, where, you know, he was trying to plant his seeds in, in all these separate areas. And throughout the process, you know, he forgot was, what was most important and what should always be most important. And that is getting results, uh, getting first team results. Um, and unfortunately, he missed, you know, he missed on that. He missed on on several, on several signings. He missed on uh, obviously not not signing, not recruiting the, the proper coach in, in Mikel Stare. Um, but, you know, I, I think and I like, you know, we, we spoke about this earlier and I've, I've spoken, I spoke about it with other people, you know, national media, the, the pundits, the, the journalists uh, around our country are being opportunistic. Uh, about the current situation in San Jose you know they don't understand the bigger picture they don't cover the team day in and day out Um, they don't see the efforts that Jesse is making on all these different facets Uh, and obviously uh, numbers are going to glow much more than anything else you know at the end of the day soccer is is results based you know and and that's what's going to dictate um, a lot of opinions so I understand that perspective, but you know there, there are bigger things happening in San Jose uh, that wouldn't have happened under Doyle, uh, and that frankly I don't think what will happen, uh, you know, with a different general manager. Um, but that's not to say that you know there needs there needs to be accountability with Jesse and his moves uh, moving forward.
0: Yeah, I think I think for me, I just look at the fact that he gave, I mean, he gave him an incomplete roster. I mean, there's no left back. Uh, there's no. I mean, if they're not, if if Mikael, uh, there there is question. I am I, right now. I wouldn't be like I would probably argue that J.T. Marcinkowski could come in and do as good of a job, if not better. I you know, like for, like for for the keeper situation. Yeah. Right, no left back. I would argue that there's not enough depth compared to this team. And I, I know, like many players and many people who've been around this team for a while, this is the most talented San Jose Earthquakes team that's ever been around. But honestly, you can say that for literally every single club in the league because the league has taken such great steps forward. And the problem is, is where the Earthquakes were at a couple of years ago and where the league has grown, that trajectory of growth, has like they had to be able to outgrow the league to kind of catch up quote unquote right so i mean i think this roster has a lot of talent i think they have enough talent to be at least in the If you look at the standings i mean in the vancouver ish mix they should be up there they're about the same level if they were correctly coached they probably would be closer to the playoffs i have no doubt about that if they if they had a coach that had been able to bring everybody together yes and i I, where i believe that the i i will i will say this because i don't want to make it sound like i think this is all jesse's fault as well i think a significant like it is probably like 70 30 um to uh you know starry's fault for this whole thing to jesse's fault Right, because there is a good amount of talent, and there's a lot more talent on this roster than there was last year, honestly, and there's a lot more talent than there was um, two, three years ago. Uh, but my my problem with it is, is that when you are in a in a place where you say, okay, we have a rebuild coming, and you go out and you say, you you bet, a th- three years of your rebuild and one point five million dollars roughly, if that's what we're estimating, what Star's contract was and all that stuff. Right? I mean, you bet that on this guy and you go out and you're willing to pay his other club to go out of it and get close to FIFA guide, like, you know, hard set guidelines by FIFA on how to deal with coaches. And you are willing to kind of delve into that thing and and kind of dive into that for a guy. That guy better come and be good. And to swing and miss so badly on that, while not only giving him a borderline incomplete roster, um, with that maybe that maybe has more depth than it did last year, maybe has more talent than it did last year, but in comparison to the rest of the league, does not have enough. Like that. That's where I sit there and I say, okay, if if you sat there and you thought that the the trajectory had sped up to swing and miss so hard that honestly i mean if we will be honest i mean the, how far back did this set the club two years probably two full years of uh, yeah i think so two to three About years. Two years two to three years of development ha- that this whole situation has set the club back i mean there you've got to be on the hot seat for that especially when you come in and you say okay it's probably a two or three year project Wow, you think the timeline has accelerated a bit, and you in year one because you did experience that playoff success, albeit at the hands of a g- gigantic debacle from FC Dallas, um, in a, the worst LA Galaxy club you will ever see. Um, I, they're, they're better this year, but they were pretty god awful last year. Yeah, they were um, bad and they're still terrible this year honestly but anyways i, I digress um I, like to 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 miss and s- to swing and miss so hard you've got to be at fault for this in a good way um of not being able to bring in a guy that can get the job done because if if you are a guy like Jesse who has virtually full autonomy over the roster right and it makes a lot almost all the roster decisions and all of that you have to get the guy in and and you have to be able to give him a finished a finished product. I mean, if you don't give him a finished product, then you're then that's where when you do that, that is where you're starting to that you're you're I mean you're you're almost kneecapping the guy whose job it was, and so. Then that so for me, like you've got to you've got to convey those those expectations, because if you had brought this guy in and not given him a complete roster and told fans and said, look, I know we made the postseason last year, but we still have a whole lot of work left to do. I think think the public perception would have been a lot different. But to market this team, and I know they got to market it that way to sell tickets, but to market this team as, hey, we're up and coming. We wanted this guy bad, that we were willing to bend over backwards and pay a lot of money to a random Swedish club to get this guy. And we went out and we spent the most we ever had on player acquisitions. And we went out and we got risky and bold. That sends the message to a fan base not only with your moves but with your words that you are trying to compete and you are trying to that your timeline has sped up, but in reality, the the big picture look at the moves and if you take and you take the scope the scope of what what happened this offseason and the expectations that Jesse and Co. put on the club and you pull it out. To see the entire league, not just the team, but the entire league and how the, the the spectrum of the league went this off season as well, it does not fit. Like that, those two things don't equate. This would look like to the re, to what is most of the rest of the league is this would still look like a team that this is rebuilding because the, the pieces truly aren't there in 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 a sense to compete at a let I, I'm talking a, a table uh, in the in the ML, in the western conference table a 1 to 4 level but that's where that's where it felt like it was coming from the front here, here here's the thing
1: i i get i guess i understand where you know i understand the incomplete roster narrative but i don't really give it too much value and here's why aside from the left back um, which he thought he had when he uh, signed Huebert, which was a huge miss, obviously A blatant miss. Uh, what other position? What other type of player do the Earthquakes not have? I mean, a lot was said about a true six. You got that with Luis Felipe uh, the last final But you, final I, but 10 you didn't games. see
0: him until the last ten games. That's the problem. Like well, right, but if that's we... not on
1: Je- That's not on Jesse. Jesse was the one who went out to go right. get this guy to bring him from Reno, put him in Reno. I mean it. Bring them out of the ranks and bring them, you know. Here's another thing. Every general manager or every sporting director or whoever it is, uh, I guess in Colum- in Columbus's case, Greg Berhalter, he's the one that makes the roster moves. Whoever is acquiring these players, you know, there's gonna be duds. There's always duds. The earthquakes and Jesse Pirinelli had duds last year. Mm-hmm. When we talk about Francois Folter, when we talk about Harold Cummings, he went out with an injury. Last season, Jesse had two coaches with several duds, and they were still able to reach playoffs. And if it wasn't for the catastrophic failure, let's say uh, Dallas and Galaxy were formidable teams, and they made playoffs, they would still be middling. There would still be a middling team, maybe finish eighth or seventh, mm-hmm. Still not dead last. This was all in all a complete failure by Mikel Stari. and I think the Quakes did the right decision and obviously moving from him. And although there is there is um, some responsibility, there is uh, you know some fault in Jesse's you know execution. I don't think. I don't think. I, I, I think you know, the national media is hyperbolizing the effect or the negative effect that Jesse has had in San Jose. Yeah,
0: and I, and here's, here's my, I don't want to, like, I, again, as I'm arguing my point, I don't want people to think that I am I am anti-Jesse. I think he's helped the club make strides. But I just wish that there was a little bit more honesty in where they thought this club really was. Um, or, or at least maybe some – because like – here's the thing. Like look at the Sanford – I'll just take this. Look at the Sanford. Here, here's guys. the thing. Here's the thing. I
1: just want to add something really quick. Under the Fisher ownership, honesty has it, – it is, is not a priority. And we and we should know that. You as a baseball guy know yep. that within the athletics, you know, it, honesty is, is not even – is not even in their dictionary. You know, it's not in their vernacular. There, uh, that just doesn't exist in that ownership group.
0: Right. And hey, here's what I'm saying. Unless uh, I, and I'm gonna pull this back. And this was the point that I was trying to make. Is the San Francisco Giants? They're a team that has had success significantly over the last decade. Their ownership group uh, and the front, not the ownership group, the front office has severely screwed up. But on on uh, the last couple years, and they've put this team, especially the new guy. Um, cause he was the one who handed out a lot of giant contracts, um, to players that maybe weren't ready for a giant contract. Um, and so now we're looking at this team the, the San Francisco Giants are currently an old decrepit overpaid roster and they don't have a way out of it for the next two or three seasons. That is, I mean, that, that's a significant like setback thing where they have attempted to compete and they've continued to dig themselves a hole. Um, that right there is a front office that should severely be under fire. I'm not saying that Jesse should be on the hot seat in terms of um in terms of being fired because I don't think that while this has set this team back arguably 2 3 years maybe um what's gone on. I'll I'll go with at least 2 3 arguably if they can't get it done next year or at least show a significant signs of improvement next year. Um I won't even say re- significant reasonable signs of improvement next year. Um, the but what I'm saying is like this that Jesse needs to have the 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 fire held to the seat under his underneath his bum. like he should sit there and say, okay, I cannot make a mistake. and he should have no, he, said, to, that. he and, said that and and he can't because because now. The more, if he makes next year, next I guarantee you next year, if he makes severe roster mistakes and a severe coaching hire mistake again, Tom Fox ain't dealing with it. Tom Fox will just cut him and go, because he uh, because there's no way that after for if you're Tom Fox right, this is your first full year in in charge, you sit there and you say, okay, there was a year that wasn't progress. Now we go through it again the next season. If I'm Tom Fox, I'm not convinced that Jesse can do it, and I'm. Ready in in terms of saving my job as a president and I'm running this soccer operation and the way that Jesse's running it if I if, if he's not getting the job well, I think I, it, th- I think
1: by that point money will speak louder than words
0: right you
1: know they've they've taken huge deficits financially uh, reason why they thought it would be better to just you know suck up the the, the million dollars that they owed uh, I guess hypothetically speaking that they own owed uh, Mikel Starry and, and and try to put that try to put that forward in into or try and avoid having to take a two million dollar loss okay. next year that's if we're saying hypothetically they lost a million dollars this season in, in ticket sales and merchandise and food concessions alcohol whatever etc sponsorships yeah.
0: well the alcohol sales should go up <laughs> just from watching the team anyways um so i i think i think that's a good point to cut the the conversation there, because here's, I think,
1: here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I, I, I final think, thoughts. Final thoughts. I, obviously from what I've been hearing from what Grant wall posted, uh, I guess MLS transfers. I don't know how much, how much value you guys want to put on that. But the thing is, is that just if you're and co are actually, I think are actually going to go after a manager with, with top pedigree, um, I think the, the front office has learned their lesson. I think this time, this, this time, this, this was kind of like the, the coup de grace, the final blow and in, in them realizing, you know, that there's potential, there's potential in MLS, there's potential to generate uh, massive revenue. Uh, hopefully Jesse Firinelli uh, has convinced the front or the ownership that, uh, he can create something uh never seen before uh given you know the the resources that he has given the people that he talks to um so there's a saying in in spanish right uh compra barato compra cada rato which means you buy cheap uh, buy all the time uh in many ways that's what the quakes have been that's the formula the quakes have been following uh for years, blindly. Uh, now with the league, on, you know, the league isn't in a primitive state anymore. And, you know, with, with uh, I guess, with everything to play for and little to lose, I, I think I think my instinct is telling me that, that the ownership group might double down for next season in terms of player spending and funds towards uh, a new manager.
0: Okay, so let's let's talk let's talk new manager in next season. Um, <laughs> I mean, so we've had three names. One of them that is self submitted by Joel um, that have popped up. One you have Caleb Porter according to Grant Wall, which Grant Wall is Grant Wall. I'm not going to doubt his sources or no, the validity not. of it. Um I, I mean that his source was probably like ninety percent. I'll I'll bet money that it was it probably was, Caleb was Porter him. himself who texted him, him yeah. and said, hey, I interviewed for the earthquake shop. So I have no problem. I have, I am not doubting that at all. Um, I, You submitted Guillermo Barros-Soloto who like internally I am hoping that like ernie stewart and u.s soccer federation goes and gives a call anyways because i really like him and the job that he's done at boca and i think he has a very good understanding of the american setup which i think also helps him out big time when it comes to an mls hire and then you have the peter bush um uh rumor from mls transfers i think the quakes fan base knows the uh the the legitimacy of the source that is um mls transfers uh they all understand that that there's like an 85% chance that that didn't happen. Um, but from what you're saying, a name I, want like, I, say, I want to clarify. I want to clarify. I just want to say from what you're saying, a name like Peter Bosch would fit into the, the, the kind of the, 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 the focus that the earthquakes front office is having on their coaching search, right?
1: Potentially. Yes.
0: Yes, maybe not the name being correct, but uh, his name in that in the pool that his name is because of the Ajax connections and the Dortmund connections. Although both were terrible when he was there. Uh, I mean, though you look at those, right? That that's the type of name that they're they're targeting. Yeah, I,
1: I would I would assume so. Uh, look, it, Jesse Firinelli's father uh, was one of the biggest, most important agents in Europe in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. He had the likes of Materazzi under him, uh, Pablo Almeida, I mean, big, big players in Italy, big players in Europe uh, who were under his control. People underestimate the amounts of power and uh, network and contacts that Jesse has. Jesse is very well-connected throughout uh, at least the old continent. Uh, I, I wouldn't doubt uh, Peter Bosch, I, 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 I don't, I mean, to clarify my rumor, uh, inquiring about Charlotto's wages doesn't necessarily mean that the club is gonna bid on him. It's that, but it does, what it does show or what it does tell us is the ambition that uh, Jesse and co are putting in for this new hiring process. Like I said, you know, I, I think they learned. I think they learned a lesson that you know they won't forget uh, for as long as you know they're they're in power in San Jose.
0: Yeah, I think when you like so for me like let's let's take a look at these names because I think, I mean, Shaloto, right? You say it so it's It's just a look, but it's still the type. It's still the ambition that is there um, to to go out and get a manager like that. Where do you think? Because I, I, I have my opinions on Caleb Porter. Um, I think that Earthquakes fan base has a different opinion. At least some, um, that I've come in that I at least have run into, um, but like it, it on Twitter so far, um, discussing Caleb Porter. But what are what what's your opinion of Caleb of the Caleb Porter rumor? Because that's that's one that kind of intrigues me.
1: Uh, the validity, I. I don't deny it.
0: No, I, I, it, I, I just think in terms of like, how would he fit? Like, do you think he would be a good fit for the role? And would he be someone that you think you'd be okay with the team hiring? I, I think. Or is that is thing. that not ambitious it, it, enough?
1: No, no, no. The question was asked yesterday on whether Jesse would contemplate signing a MLS based coach. And he didn't deny it, but he seemed a bit more inclined on wanting to go elsewhere. Not surprised at all, but like I said, Jesse Furinelli is well connected overseas, and passing up on you know I don't know Shaloto or or Boss for Porter uh, would would be would be a crime, right? Uh, if he has the ability to sign someone like like them, those names that I just mentioned. Uh, Instead of you know signing Porter, I, I I think I think Porter would be would be a decent hire. I think he would be a decent hire. He's obviously proven with the Timbers, um, and he has developed and he has been able to get a, a lot from certain players. Uh, the one player that I look at is Villafana. What well, viafanya What was he able to do with him? You know, here's a kid who gets picked out of uh, the showcase uh, MLS and Sueno MLS. Um, you know, takes him uh, takes the Timbers to an MLS Cup. Uh, then he goes abroad and brings him back. I mean, th- this is this is what Caleb Porter is known for. You know, he he was one of the one of the top managers in in MLS. Uh, I don't think it would be a bad choice. Um, a lot has been said, you know, about Jesse Fiorinelli always. Uh, going abroad for players going abroad for managers um, i think this time around he would definitely consider obviously he has considered bringing uh, an inner mls coach or a candidate um, but i my gut still tells me that he's a bit more inclined on on uh, you know really looking for for a candidate abroad
0: see i like porter I, and I, i'll say this just from a I, I tend to go, here's a safe thing. But I think Porter's track record kind of speaks for itself. I mean, he's got a history of developing players at the college level and developing young players into something at the professional level. You look at Jorge Villafana, who was a competition winner, who got a contract with a team. I mean, he was an MLS, if you ever... You remember MLS back in the day. He was MLS Sueno. It uh, was yeah. like this kind of a competition thing that they would go around to a bunch of different markets. I mean, he won that, goes and gets to kind of play with the team a little bit, and earns himself a contract. And that dude was, while while the team didn't do well, uh, he was the starting left back for the U.S. men's national team and arguably the best left back in the pool for the U.S. men's national team for the, for the current World Cup qualifying cycle and had made a significant career – um, from playing in MLS with the Portland Timbers and in Liga MX, I mean, that this is the thing. Like, that is a that for him to do that, you take Darlington Nagby um, and his development of him from Elvis college Powell. ranks. Alvis Powell is one. I mean, the right-back situation alone. DeAndre Yedlin, Alvis Powell. I mean, you have there's a lot of guys in the Portland system that came through Akron. But if you go – I challenge you. Go look at Akron's website, and they have a thing where it says MLS um, – it's like or Akron zip draftees or MLS signings, and look at anyone who played from the from years 2007 to 2013. All of those players were recruited by or played underneath um, Caleb Porter's tutelage as the head coach there at, at the University of Akron. And go look at that like breadth of players that is in that, and it's absolutely ridiculous of the the amount of at least mainstay talent that he has developed. From a college level, which is so, uh, we all know, is so incredibly unreliable. Uh, I mean, that to me, that's really impressive and speaks volumes. Then you have what he did and the ability to take Darlington Nadby and turn him into the level of player that he is. And the ability to do all of that. There is a significant ability from porter to get the absolute best out of players and i think it even goes back to his position that he held before akron which is at university of indiana in the late 90s and early 2000s which as a as an assistant and a grad assistant under their head coach and a a recruiting assistant and indiana if you if those those of you who don't know college soccer history university of indiana has is historically the greatest college soccer program in the united states they have created the most professional players in their history. They have won the most championships. They have played the best soccer, arguably, in their history. And every single year, they are a top-ten program. Regardless, they are a uh, – I won't say – they They are like – I'm trying to think of a, a good um, – equation to it. They're like the Ohio, I won't say the Ohio state because Ohio state doesn't have the championships that Indiana soccer does, but like, they're like an Ohio state of football. They're a, uh, a UCLA of college basketball type of a thing, right? There are Kentucky or Kansas. They're the blue blood when it comes to college soccer Now, we know where college soccer has gone in importance recently, but that doesn't take away from what Caleb Porter was able to do because a lot of those players are still contributing at a high level in Major League Soccer now. Right. So, for me, I sit there and I think, man, you have all these players and you have a coach who is – Who is able to maximize talent and able to manage a whole host of cultures that were in that Portland locker room and and do all of that? And he was extremely successful there. There was only two years that he didn't make the postseason with them, and the Portland Tim or sorry, three yeah three year three years that he didn't make the postseason because he made or he missed his first year, made his second year, missed. Won a championship, missed, and then lost in the conference semifinals to Houston last year. But that team was incredibly injured. And they literally just fielded Diego Valeri and like, ten scrubs because that's all they had. Um, but, like, I mean, this is uh, – Caleb Porter would be the perfect hire, I think, for, for someone who is able to coach. But I think Caleb Porter has an issue when it comes with to not having full autonomy and i think that's the only reason why outside of jesse's own wish to maybe get a a bigger head coach because honestly caleb porter is probably the biggest um unemployed mls successful the, the biggest most successful um unemployed mls connected uh manager he's going to hire there's only i mean pa- Pablo masturini is probably the next one up and it's Pablo Maserani, man. That, there's no – he just kind of lumped people together and hoped that they had enough grit and fight um, to, to play good soccer and grind out a result. There was nothing that was actually talented. Well, he's, uh,
1: he's another product of the 1.0 era.
0: Right. But Porter Porter's entirely different from that, which is why Porter Porter would be the prized – Non GBS non person. I personally I'd rather have Porter over Bosch just because I wasn't sold on what happened with Dortmund last year with Bosch They were in for all the talent that that was on that roster. They were incredibly under they, they underperformed significantly um, under him uh, and he, His ability I I'd argue that development well, his wages absurd- were,
1: would be higher But the the pro from hiring such a manager would be that he would attract more players to come and play to San Jose and he would make uh, San Jose's current situation a bit more appealing, right? It would it, it would kind of be like paper over the cracks right? as to where Porter, you know. And here's the thing with, with hiring Porter is you're going to have to outbid. You're going to have to outpitch, you know, about five other MLS teams. You know, Chicago Fire might be looking for a coach. Orlando City might be looking co- for a coach. LA Galaxy might is definitely looking for a coach. And I think that would be a, an ideal destination for, for Porter. Um, potentially Columbus as well, given that Greg Burt Halter is the leading candidate for the U.S. men's national team job. I mean, you there mean, is... You mean
0: Austin, What what's their name? Austin something?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Thorns, Austin? No, not Austin Thorns. Uh. Austin, Austin, Austin. Legion. Clubs. Something, man. Something like that. But... I mean, there's a lot of demand. Uh, there's a lot of demand for Porter. And I think uh, if you have to put it in the pecking order, I, I think San Jose has to be one of the last uh, destinations, you know, that, that Porter might want to go
0: to. I think I, – I will say this. There's one – there is one uh, opening that I think will be there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> From Hercules Gomez within the last hour, there's one significant team that is going to likely have a manager spot open, uh, and that's going to be Atlanta United, um, because according to Hercules Gomez and whoever this Perea, Hernan Perea um, is reporting that Tata Martino will not continue as the head coach of Atlanta United after the season, and that um, uh, Colombia, Argentina, and El Tri are his possible des- are the three destinations that he's looking at. He's looking to get back into the international scene. Uh so Atlanta United so Atlanta United may not have a coach uh, and that is going to be the most attractive offer because you have an ownership group and a fan base and everybody that is ready. They they'll pay whatever, man. They'll they'll do it. They'll jump on board with what. Yeah, uh, Arthur Blank will will Arthur, write a check
1: with closed eyes. Arthur he, he Blank. Does. Yeah,
0: he can. <laughs> he's got. He's like yeah. whatever, man. Ninety million. Here you go. <laughs> Anyways, um, I, I not not dream of that. They're barely worth ninety million. Okay. Um, I think I think I think that's good enough. For- one last point before we go because we don't want to run too long and I know you got to get to the stadium to cover this game tonight. Where what what should we expect from this team through the final six games of the year? Cuz we've got I know they they've got a rough schedule. Um I have it up. I'm going to read it out. It sucks. Um if you're trying to get out of last place as Steve Lawson has stated is their goal. Um they play Atlanta tonight. LAFC uh on Saturday. Um, at at LAFC on Saturday, at Houston the following Saturday, but you might get a secondary Houston squad because they're going to go first team for sure over the week in the midweek um, in the U.S. Open so Cup final against the Philadelphia Union, and then October Saturday in October front 6th, of how many fans? Uh, they'll be lucky to get ten thousand. Um, oh, sorry, they'll get ten thousand Union fans, um, but they will. They oh, won't. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Union fans I, are going to travel hard for that. That's, that's pretty fun. cool. Uh, earthquakes um, will host New York Red Bulls Saturday, October 6th. Um, they will host the Colorado Rapids in a massive wooden spoon six-pointer um, on October 21st. Um, they'll host the Rapids and then they will finish out on decision day, deadline day, whatever the frick you want to call it, um, against Se- in Seattle against Seattle Sounders yep. um, on October 28th. Seattle likely has a playoff spot wrapped up. Um, they will likely be jockeying for seeding at that point, so they'll still need to win, and you're not going to get them laying down. So what can we expect out of this team? Because there's not a lot of winnable games on that schedule. Yeah. Which which makes it very hard. But, like, Orlando's god-awful. Orlando, believe it or not, Orlando United, or Orlando whatever their freaking thing is, Orlando City, whatever bullcrap generic name they have, Orlando City is just god-awful and i i say this as watching sporting kansas city play against them watching sporting kansas city and san jose play the scoreline may not say it but the game against the earthquakes was much more even than orlando united and orlando united have absolutely zero ideas they're orlando city whatever they're they're god-awful man and so they they have a an even harder schedule than the earthquakes uh chicago fire kind of out of out of the wooden spoon discussion. The Colorado Rapids don't have – they have virtually the same exact schedule. Um, as of the so well, what do you see from this team? What do you think Rawson's going to bring to the table? Are we looking at a different tactical setup or are we looking at just maybe a different personnel or are we going to look at a different level of motivation?
1: I Well, Steve Rawson yesterday highlighted on the defensive importance for the final six games. So I think we're going to see a Kinnear-esque uh, tactical setup. Um, obviously we're discussing this hours before, just hours before, uh, the match against Atlanta United. And we didn't really get to observe, um, you know, his 11, his 11 against 11, uh, practice scrimmages. So, uh, to be honest with you, not sure at all what formation he's going to offer. Um, but I guess I would bet on it being something similar to what Kinnear Uh, Ran when he was with the Quakes and what Kinnear was, uh, what he would uh, uh, utilize uh, during his time in Houston. Remember, Ralston got the assistant position uh, with Kinnear. Well, their relationship started in 2010 when Kinnear was appointed the Houston job. And ever since then, he followed him on uh, until Kinnear was dismissed. Uh, last season. So uh, he's learned his trade from Kinnear. Um, He uh, expressed that, you know, the Quakes need to, you know, plug up the the back line. They they need to try and avoid from conceding too many goals. Uh, I expect a lot of fight from whoever's playing. I know it sounds very, very cliche, but you know, these players, as Shea Salinas expressed, they're, they're playing for their contracts, you know. Um, a lot of the players already know they're not coming back. Uh, but some of them, uh, you know, are, I'm sure, hoping that they can get some minutes under Ralston and are able to convince not Ralston nor Fox but Jesse uh, that they deserve to stay on a, you know, I'm sure degraded uh, contract. But you know that that's I think that's what that's what we're going to see. Right? We're also going to see players who haven't been who didn't really get sufficient playing time this season come in and uh, and right and try to inspire uh, some good performances, try to um, win games. But quite frankly, I, I wouldn't be surprised honestly if we saw another five 0 shellacking tonight. If we see another three 0 loss against. A team like the Sounders, uh, th- this team is just depleted in all fronts at the moment, and it's gonna—it's really gonna take an off-season, uh, a different manager, a different environment, a different uh, group—to really, you know, bury everything that
0: happened this season and, and move forward. All right, so another five nil droppings coming tonight. I'm waiting for it. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Atlanta rotate the squad. I'm kind of expecting them to rotate the squad ahead of tonight, but we'll see. By the time you're listening to this, you can always probably already probably prove me wrong. I won't be able to watch tonight. Um, Joel will be there. Um, I he'll be able to bring it to you. Uh, our 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 hope and plan is to record um, next week um before our next tuesday i we can recap the game kind of see maybe get kind of at least maybe we'll have an idea of what to look forward as we go to going forward um you no know, it's been a good conversation i think there's a lot more conversations on this all to be had but for the sake of time this is going to do it for us this week um thanks for sticking with us i know it's been a while uh we definitely plan for the next pod to integrate questions um from those listeners who have been there for a while um and been with us for a long time sorry about the layoff um but we're excited to get kind of get going again a little bit more normal pace um we were trying to record actually yesterday but i got caught up doing a lot of heavy sporting kansas city stuff so um that's my life when i live out here and have to cover that team but uh anyways uh you know we'll see we'll see what happens tonight hopefully it goes well but thanks all for listening and i'll let joel close it out yeah, I encourage everyone to go on LAFC's Twitter
1: and just bombard them with comments uh, on letting me get a media credential for Saturday's game. I've reached out to them twice via email and i called them. And they haven't responded. If you guys want me to cover that game, I have cleared everything up this weekend to make a trip to LA to cover that game. I know it's not really significant, but it would be Ralston's first away match at the helm do that aside from that enjoy i hope you guys enjoyed the podcast uh, thanks for listening as always uh, until next time.